0: Following is a presentation of KSL Sports. First and twelve, a total roundup of this weekend's BYU football and the new look Big 12 Conference. First and twelve is sponsored by Macy's Grocery Store. Your hosts are Mitch Harper and Alex Keery on KSL News Radio and the KSL Sports Zone.
1: Welcome in, everybody. Happy Sunday to you. It is first and 12 right here, as heard on KSL News Radio and the KSL Sports Zone. Of course, with the conference weekend, uh, you're going to be able to download this one on the podcast, not get it in your normal spot for KSL News Radio, but you can always download the podcast wherever you find your fine podcasts. Alex Curie and Mitch Harper, thanks for being with us on the program here. Mitch, it was a big weekend, and of course, uh, on Friday, you and I were witness to BYU's first win in the Big 12. And, my goodness, let's just start it off here. Let's just jump in. Let's get into our Big 12 headlines, and uh, let's get it done, man, because if DJ Pauly is making an appearance in our Big 12 headlines, it's a good weekend. Let's get it going right here.
0: Twelve. Twelve headlines. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. The dozen storylines that shape this week of Big 12 football. Headline one. BYU
2: becomes the first newcomer to get a Big 12 conference win. One and one now in league play after taking down Cincinnati 35-27. to 27. It wasn't beautiful by any means, Alex. will have more breakdown a little bit later this hour, but Cougs are one and one, and that's, that's historic to get their first Power 5 win in a Power 5 league.
1: And when you're looking and you're going, okay, there's going to be some other wins for these other new guys. No can do, man. BYU sneaking out a dub getting their first one and that's an awesome one headline two for that say in that same vein uh brett yormark was on location to byu for that first conference win you saw him walk in with the security guys it looked like a, a scene out of nickelodeon uh you know with like with the with the fake security guards rolling in mitch but it was a good weekend to have the commission town for byu fans i wanted to
2: ask him if he thought provo and les was as aspirational as at Stadium, <laughs> or I wanted to say, hey, what, what other conference realignment moves you got cooking? Are you still feeling it with UConn, who's you're like, l- l- getting a PAT blocked against Utah look, State? I don't think so as much.
1: No. Look, you know what? BYU's been sending people to
2: Mexico to preach for a long time, <laughs> Brett Yormark. You're late, brother. <laughs> Headline number three, Baylor storms back. Man, this was something else. They stormed back from a 35-7 to deficit Insane. in Orlando in the final 18 minutes. To stun UCF 36 to 35. You know, Dave Aranda and his guys,
1: I I mean that that could be an absolute season changer for them. And I hope it is too. And UCF, my goodness, you guys, you had one job. It was just it was one of these wild moments where they just could not get this thing done. And that's headline number four. UCF was so bad at their decision making that final quarter. They give up, they didn't just give up 26 points. And the lo- the the loss to a bad Baylor team, but DJ Pauly D was in the house. <laughs> His hair was standing up straight. It's salute to the UCF guys, to the Central Florida uh, Knights. And guess what? They blow it in the presence of of Jersey Shore greatness.
2: It, it was a it was a real letdown. I just can't wait till next month when BYU's hosting Big 12 Homecoming. I, I can't wait to see <laughs> what the vibes are going to look like in Provo. Number 5, Texas. The eyes of Texas oh. continue to be upon Austin. Put up 661 yards of offense as they rolled through Kansas in the second half.
1: Yeah, making Kansas look foolish. you know, Last week it was Kansas who made the adjustments against BYU at the half. This time, Texas comes out and goes look, 13-7, not good enough for us. And they absolutely blew it open against the Jayhawks. Jayhawks now to 4-1, and one. back to the same exact record that the Cougs have now in uh, in conference play. Uh, uh, Jalen Daniels, your headline number six here, late scratch against Texas, by the way. He still had that back that's been uh, causing some problems. Late scratches always send you in a weird direction. At some point when you don't have your guy in there, that should be a, a huge reason why Kansas was not able to get things rolling.
2: Jason Bean stepped in and he had that big touchdown pass to cut the deficit to 20 to 14, but yeah, too much Texas. And it'll be interesting to see where Kansas lands on our new power rankings. I still believe in the Jayhawks, but that was a tough setback T- headline number seven, man. This was quite the game. West Virginia pulls a stunner in DFW against it. TCU. Big win for Neil Brown and his team.
1: TCU now falling to kind of the middle of the pack when it comes to big 12 play. They have two losses on the season already due to the TCU Horned Frog.
2: Sonny Dykes trying to figure out what's going on with his team. Headline number nine, Texas Tech. Their special teams were a huge difference in a shootout against Houston. Kind of an old Southwest Conference rivalry renewed here in the Big 12. Texas Tech comes up with their first FBS win of the season. And Houston, I still can't figure out them at all.
1: Uh, As a bald man, I can make this joke. Dana Holgerson with no more hair to pull out because this, this is just frustrating for them. Headline number 10, Houston throwing for 335 yards and, and four touchdowns, but it's not just not enough. They actually still found a way to look like they got blown out in that
2: one, Mitch. It was not nice. Yeah, it was not. A tough tough deal for Donovan Smith, who went up against his old team with Texas Tech. Headline 11, man, this Oklahoma offense, I'm starting to believe, again, it feels like the heyday of the Bob Stoops, Lincoln-Riley days, Oklahoma puts up 50 on a tough Iowa State defense as they cruise through the Cyclones.
1: Yeah, Matt Campbell got a little bit chirpy this week and probably learned his lesson. Although, you know, you're not going to play Oklahoma again for a while. You might as well take your shot. Headline number 12, final one of our Big 12 headlines. Iowa State did, as we found out, have the coolest NIL deal that we've seen. It is the – it's a ham deal, okay? Purchase more ham ham and bacon. That is a real line because they have – Miles Purchase, Tyler Moore, Tommy Hammond, uh, Hammond and uh, and Caleb Bacon all on the team. And you are able to put together an NIL deal that says Purchase, Moore, Hammond, Bacon. Absolute, oh, I love that. An absolute dream of getting that thing done. It wasn't enough to get the win today, though, Mitch. I couldn't believe it. It definitely was not, but
2: that's a win <laughs> in the headlines for sure. That's probably <laughs> the best headline that we rolled out this week. That's your big Ridiculous. 12 headlines Week five, an eventful one of the Big 12 Conference.
1: Uh, Of course, coming up in segment two, we're going to bring you your BYU game breakdown. You'll hear also later this hour from Kalani Sataki, and we'll bring you our Big 12 game of the week as well. Uh, It is a Sunday. We're thankful that you're You're, uh, joining us here on... First and twelve, Mitch Harper, Alex Curie. More to go around the corner. Stay right here with us. It is first and twelve.
0: Read all the stories about BYU sports no one else has heard. Go to Kslsports.com for exclusive columns by BYU Insider Mitch Harper. That's KSLsports.com.
1: All right, everybody. Welcome back. It is first and twelve. Happy Sunday to you. Thanks for being a part. Of the program, you can download, subscribe, uh, be a listener to our program. Mitch Harper, Alex Curie, here with you every Sunday as we get you ready uh, to know everything that happened to the Big 12. I mean, my goodness, you're new members of the Big 12. If you're B- if you're a BYU fan, you're going to be members of the Big 12 next year if you're a Utah fan. Uh, obviously, all of this year locally makes a big difference to us. And it's all brought to you by the folks at Macy's. Happy shopping. Mitch Harper, you and I, and now we do this on purpose. This is by design. You and I sit about six feet away from one another at the in the press box. <laughs> the game gets done. We kind of give each other a little bit of a, like a salute, and then peace yep. out. It's like we don't really try to talk about it too much until we get going on the show. I appreciate that. So let's get the fresh reaction from you, and you can hear what I have to think about this game. BYU's first win in the Big Twelve.
2: It was a big win, Alex, and I think one of the other underrated aspects to this game was that it had must-win vibes because, you know, I think BYU in the month of October, they're probably going to be an underdog in every game in October. And they've got three out of the next four on the road. This just screamed they had to get this one, especially against a Big 12 newcomer, because you did not want to keep answering, when are you going to get your first Big 12 win? So to get this victory was massive for BYU. And I got to say too, Alex, it came in a way that, I wasn't expecting. I thought it was going to be a complete defensive battle and you know for the first 29 minutes that was the case. <laughs> but you know but BYU really turned it up on offensively at the end of the second quarter and then into the second half. It was an all-around interesting game and one that uh, was a productive win for BYU I thought. Uh
1: you know I think at some point I mean I'll say it it was it's a head scratcher again on the on the on you know the stat sheet because of The yardage, compared to how many Mm -hmm. points they scored, helped to get the Jacob Robinson pick six, but 28 points on 295 yards of total offense. It's another week that they did not blow anybody out of the water numbers-wise, but this team is 4-1 and with not a lot of yardage gained every game. I mean, it seems very, very weird. But it also seems interesting now because it's almost habitual. They're like, we're not going to get a lot of plays off. That's something Kalani talked about in his post game. We can hear a little bit later. Uh, but they also just lose the time of possession battle as well, which means they're giving up long drives, right? I mean, last night it was it was uh, or two nights ago, was, uh, interesting. Where are we right now? Like I'm just, like trying to think. Where the, it was a Friday game? So th- so that was what was so crazy about it was, to me, it was another week in a row where they are not coming through. All- offense like to the degree that we think they should be and yet they're scoring all these points and they're getting the win like they did last night uh getting I I, I mean they they had 53 plays from scrimmage Cincinnati had 84 and they and then they almost you know they almost had 500 yards of offense and yet at the same time they almost lucked into 27 points it could have been a 42 to 20 game with those same numbers Mitch it would have
2: been insane B, BYu is a team that they're, they're gonna be gritty they're gonna be unconventional but they're gonna find ways to get to get wins and now you're in a spot with this team where you have to go at a minimum two and five the rest of the way I like BYU's odds to get to the postseason that's why this game was so important And I thought Keaton Slovis after that really terrible start and for the first (laughs) quarter he was bad Uh, but then he turned it on and I thought in that second half he started out seven of his first ten completions I mean I I just think that Slovis he has done a great job so far for BYU. He's not Jaron Hall. He's not Zach Wilson-level uh, talent, but I think he's been a really nice fit for BYU because, again, he dealt with... It, it wasn't completely one-dimensional, but once again, the final stat number, 70 rushing yards, it's still a a ground game is is a work in progress. Still, they don't have much of a ground attack, and I think some people are feeling like, oh, the offensive line was a million times better, the, the ground <laughs> game was so much better. I didn't come away feeling that. I thought they, no. they did improve. But there's still a lot of work to be done, and to get a win with those sort of numbers, I think it's just another example of BYU just going to be kind of unconventional and be gritty, uh, and they're going to take unconventional paths to get these victories.
1: Well, the other thing, Mitch, when you the the slow start is not good, but I but I'll say. Kalani and his guys will take it because the slow start was them up seven to nothing for a good chunk of that first and part of that second quarter. That's a slow start on offense, certainly, but it's not being down 14, nothing like they were the two prior games, you know, and and the Arkansas game, of course, they come back, but, but then in the, uh, you know, in the Kansas game, they're not able to respond. I mean, they get back, they're up 17-14 at the half, and then when another haymaker comes, they're not able to respond. You can't get yourself in a hole and just think that it's going to be able to, you're going to be able to pull yourself out of it every week. But it was interesting because Cincinnati's playing catch-up. After the second half, and really after that insane drive that lasted 30 seconds and tripled their offensive output in that one group of four downs, basically, you know, going into the locker room, I mean, I'm going to be honest. We were up in the booth. We all looked at each other. What did we say? I was like, I could see them just sitting on this and just uh, kneeling the ball once or twice and then just go in and lick your wounds and figure out what's going on. And to A-Rod's credit and to Kalani's credit, they go, we're running the two-minute offense. Actually, we're running the the one-minute offense. And they did it and they scored. And that changed everything. Because as soon as BYU came out, the idea of, okay, Cincinnati gets the ball, I was just thoroughly impressed by the first three and out that they'd gotten because that actually made it to where BYU could... Uh, get ahead against when they were suddenly they're up 21 to 10. And and that score means something way different than what the, what the numbers were telling us. And so uh, the slow start, yes, but it's not slow start. Like you're down 14 points. And, and that's the part that made the huge difference yesterday, because then uh, Emory Jones is playing, trying to throw the ball all over the place. And that's, that's not his strength necessarily, but man, the Cougs made him look good on the ground and through the air.
2: They did. And, and, you know, I think that this win is valuable for BYU too, because, you, they were shorthanded. You know, no Ben Bywater, who's dealing with the the right shoulder injury, and then Waylon Lapois who was starting left guard, he was out with a left arm or elbow injury, mm-hmm. and they, they still were able to come away with a win. And you know, I thought Harrison Taggart in his first collegiate start great i did a nice job 10 tackles for him i mean obviously you don't want to see these defensive guys getting 16 tackles like max tooley did because that means they were on the field so much but they stepped in and filled the gaps the void left by ben bywater and that's promising and i think it's another testament to how much uh jay hill has improved this defense like the final numbers he's probably ticked right now and he's probably oh, yeah. furious going into this bye week about the numbers and and the amount of first downs that Cincinnati had on some drives. You think back to that 17 play drive Cincinnati had to tie it up. You know, I, I gotta imagine Jay Hill was ticked about that one. But that they 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 just they they found enough there to to escape with a victory and you know limit Cincinnati from you know coming in and pulling off the upset. I, I, I kind of look at Cincinnati too. We'll have our power rankings coming up at, at the top of our number two, they're a team to me that I don't look at as, you know, really, I don't, I don't know who they're better than in terms mm. of talent, in yeah. terms of depth in the big 12. But I feel like, you know, Emery Jones, when he is, you know, a little bit comfortable in the pocket and he's able to get out and run with his legs, like he had success against BYU, they could maybe trip up someone, but it does feel like it's a big rebuild project happening <laughs> with Scott Satterfield. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a, it's a completely 180, from from what they had with Luke Fickle, I just think it's going to be a long term rebuild with Satterfield. I
1: like I like Satterfield a lot. You're right. It is going to take a minute. Uh, it was really funny too because after the game, it's funny what you tell yourself, what people tell themselves as fans, right? Because you have the people who are over the top, like this team is actually terrible. We got we locked into that one. I had to hear that a couple of times last or uh, two nights ago. I'm like, hey, listen. You know what? They got the win and it was a really really good win. But then I heard the other side which is, you know, that's the best 2 and 3 team I've seen in a long time. You go, "The best 2 and 3 team?" Like who says that? And so, call it for what it was. Everybody's trying to figure out who they are right now. Our power rankings are all over the place because I mean, we're kind of we're doing the shrug emoji at everybody right now going, "I don't know where the Look, we're we're guessing here. The only thing we kind of know right now is Texas is number 1. Uh, spoiler alert. Texas is probably the best team in the conference right now. But other than that, it's kind of nice because BYU falls and then has another win. And, I mean, my heavens, Mitch, they're 4-1 and one going into – a bye week where they need to get some guys right. It's about as good of a spot as you could have imagined. I think at one point it, you created a dream scenario when we when you came on with us on unrivaled in the very very pre pre preseason and said there's a there's a world where they go five and zero oh, and and you know we all looked at each other and go Mitch Harper everybody he's on it again uh, <laughs> and instead four and one is I mean I I don't know I mean the expectations from Vegas were between four and a half and six and a half wins depending on where you looked. So, I mean, th- th- you got to readjust your sights here. I mean, this might
2: be an eight-win team. And I think also it's the type of season in the Big 12 because I feel like this is a down, down year for the conference in terms of, you know, the, the middle and in the, the bottom of the league. There could be a path where BYU finishes in the top, and you don't feel like this is a, you know, a, a great BYU team. But because of how down this league feels to be this year, there could be opportunities for BYU uh, to be in the upper tier of this league. So a lot's in front of BYU. And I think one of the big takeaways I did learn from Friday night to Alex was how motivational it was for BYU to be in a conference mm-hmm. because last year after one loss, I think the, the motivation, the, the care factor took a big hit because their cells were taken out of them. And they knew that they were going to be destined to some ESPN handpicked bowl game that they didn't want to be at. Whereas now, there's still everything in front of them. You have a schedule with Texas and Oklahoma, and if you want to dream big, if you're in that BYU locker room thinking you got a chance to go to Arlington, you could dream it up because yep. everything's still in front of you despite one loss.
1: Let's take uh, another break here. When we come back, let's hear from Kalani Sataki, a few minutes from the head coach of BYU. And, what he thought this uh, this game was turning into uh, win wise. You could hear the energy in his voice in the post game, so take a listen to that. We'll come back here. Big Friday night win for the Cougs uh, this weekend. One and one in conference play and uh, the Big 12 in our first and 12 program right here on KSL News Radio and also on uh, the KSL Sports. And you can hear right here Alex, Kiri, Mitch Harper. More to go. Stay right here with us right around the corner.
0: The following is a presentation of KSL Sports. First and 12. A total roundup of this weekend's BYU football and the new look Big 12 conference. First and 12 is sponsored by Macy's Grocery Store. Your hosts are Mitch Harper and Alex Keary on KSL News Radio and the KSL Sports Zone.
2: It's a happy weekend for Cougar football fans as BYU gets their first ever Big 12 win. 35-27 to 27 over Cincinnati on Friday night. And the head man of the Cougars, Kalani Sitake. He's the head first head coach in BYU history to lead a Power 5 team. And he helped lead the Cougars to that win over the Bearcats. He addressed the media and was pretty happy. Even though there's still room to grow, Kalani was still pretty happy about the win.
3: Glad that you're all here and, and uh, you know, glad we got the win. And give a lot of credit to Cincinnati. They did some really good things. Um, uh, and it I kind of put us in a, in a tough spot. I think the number one thing that stands out is they possessed the ball for such a long time. And the discrepancy in the plays uh, compared to our plays on offense. Uh, defense, I think we had like 48 plays in the first half, um, which was really tough. And, and overall, they finished with 84 plays. We had 53 on, on offense. So that's uh, the fact that we have that many points in in that low plays. Means that we probably got some explosive plays, but we need to possess the ball and convert some first downs and, and get some drives going. And then defensively, we got to get off the field, um, get some stops. And then I, I say that with, like can't make these demands. I mean, you, you, there's there's a, things that we can do to, to help ourselves. And one of them is that we we had for uh, some reason we had some some uncanny mistakes on defense, missed assignments, things weren't set up right, and um, that's a, that's on the coaches and 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 the players, but. Didn't execute well enough, and then on offense we we didn't execute as well as in the first half. But um, you know, glad that we were able to get a, some turnovers and get get to, um, a, some turnovers and downs. Thank you. And you can tell I lost my voice a little bit because I'm just I've, I've been pretty good all year long, and then this one I kind of lost it. It was just for for the right reasons. You guys all get it. But um, happy that we won. But uh, we know that we can improve, and, I, and I'll probably say it every week that we can get better and we can play better. But uh, I think that you have know, they give credit to Cincinnati. They played a really good game, and, and uh, we did enough to win the game. Am I proud of our guys winning? Of course. But am I uh, am I really you know happy about how we did it? No. I thought the, the especially the the end of the game. You know, we had a the ball in the red zone, high snap, um, missed the field goal, uh, didn't get a stop on on. Uh, and they went down, and scored. Had to had to get the hands team out there, and we didn't. We should have gone up by three scores, things like that. I just uh, fortunate that we were able to get the win with with those mistakes and those errors. But that's my job as a head coach. I got to get our guys executing at a high level and whatever it takes. I mean, maybe we need to simplify some things. And, and on offense, I, I don't really care. Just get points on the board is what I told A-Rod and the staff. I don't care what you do. I don't care if you huddle or no huddle. throw the ball 100 times or run the ball 100 times. Just get points on the board and uh let's use our strength so that's kind of where we're at now um i i've been really imp- i've been really impressed with with uh cincinnati the players i, I think they have some really good talent and uh i, I, I talked to, to coach satterfield at the game and said hey you have a really good team um you know I, I look forward to seeing them compete in the big 12 and um now that we have our game done and we have a bye coming up we can take advantage of the bye by you know getting better and then uh and then try to heal up and we should get most of the guys back after we heal up and, and be ready to roll by the time we, we take the field against TCU in Texas. And so, um, yeah, with that being said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna enjoy the time off and listen to conference and watch some games, you know, maybe at the same time, we'll see. But yeah, I'll take any questions you guys have.
0: How big was that drive at the end of the first half? Cause you really hadn't done much offensively and to be able to go down and get that touchdown.
3: Yeah, it's like we did, we're doing nothing offensively, right? I mean, I don't know how many yards we had, but it's like the time of possession was the thing, and and Cincinnati took care of the ball and possessed it and um, and just kept drives going. And I think other than w- the only highlight that we had was the uh, the interception for a touchdown. I think it was Jacob that got it. Um, other than that, is like it was it was hard for our, and our fans were waiting for something to get excited about. They just had to wait till the last drive of the of the half. And um, yeah, I just. I think um, Keaton can throw the ball, and we have really capable receivers, and we just got to find ways to put points on the board. I, um, I don't, I don't think we're the type of team that can just go and impose our will on people and try to run the ball against a against a team that's going to load the box. But there's different ways to execute and make and and get points on the board and get get first downs, and that's that's the goal for us on offense. And then defensively, we got to stop the run. I, I think the the thing that hurt us the most is the QB run game. Um, looking at what you know, what Emory Jones was able to do. I mean, he, he scrambled for yards, but it's a, he had the QB draw was working really well for them, um, and then we weren't we weren't making him um, uncomfortable enough, you know. But uh, I, I thought they had a really good game plan offensively and defensively. We're going to figure it out because uh, we're going to see that from other teams, especially TCU coming up. You, you kind of flipped the script on the takeaways from Kansas. You had the, the pick six, obviously. You had the muff punt that you recovered and set up your final touchdown. How, how important was it, just those two things, bookending kind of a night where, you, like you said, you struggled on offense at the start? Well, you need those. I, I think, I, look at last week's game, that, that helped Kansas beat us. you know. And so uh, we want to win the turnover battle. We want to take care of the football. We didn't do a good enough job that that last week. This, t- tonight, I thought we did better, you know. But um, I, I, I'm, I'm more thinking about like the the sequence of things, like the, the, um, you know, the, the the even the little things like like Rico just pinned the ball, pin him deep, you know, kicked into the end zone, stuff like that towards the end of the game. And I'm trying to fix the things that I know we're better at right now. The um, the turnovers come if you're doing your job and and everybody waits for their moment and the big plays sacks turnovers tfls all that stuff happens defensively but um we we just couldn't get into a rhythm defensively i think jay was trying to find things that bring pressures different ways and to cincinnati's credit they're 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 making us pay for a lot of the pressures we're bringing you know so that's just we'll we'll go back to the film and try to find ways to play it. i think we'd feel better if we just got out of third downs and got we were able to get out of a fourth down a couple of them you know but um we don't have to make it so close. I think we can. We can. I'm saying let's play more assignments on clean football, and then then we'll make more opportunities for us to get turnovers in big plays.
2: Lonnie, you, you said that earlier that you told a Rod, let's use our strength of through five games. What do you feel like the strength is of your offense right now?
3: Well, I think Keenan can throw the ball. I'm, I mean, I, I really don't. Like I said, I don't really care what the what the how the points show up on the scoreboard. I just want them up there. You know so have a running back that's tough that can run and i was so proud of miles davis you know and, um, fighting through adversity and then he kind of got lost in the shuffle in the in the competition and had opportunities, and and I never saw him uh, let down at all. And and throughout the whole whole season, he was always working, always upbeat, always positive, And then um, had his opportunities, and I think he's going to be a mainstay for us. He's bigger, stronger than he was in the past, and I think he's taking advantage of his opportunities. And with Aiden being out for a little bit, you know, we'll see if we can get him back. But um, I think Aiden has been battling injuries from the beginning, and so I'd like it'd be nice to let him heal heal up and. And uh, get healthy, and then we can we can have a, a more of a, a running back core with some big physical runners.
0: You talked about the quarterback draw. Did, is that something you saw in film throughout this week? And did you did you rep it at all?
3: Yeah, it, it, you probably should hear Kelly Papinga. His voice is gone too because we had we had some adjustments on the sideline that we we made to take care of it, and that's how we got the sack. You know, so we we knew that that was going to be what they're going to try to go to, especially when they had success on it early. And we tried to make some adjustments and and players weren't executing it. uh, Coaches weren't making it. Either we weren't demanding enough from the players, but we were not getting it done. And so when we started to settle down and get it done, good things happened for us. It it was it's not like we're going to say, like, well, we just won't worry about that. You know, we wanted to take that away from them. I thought at the beginning we were handling the run game with the running back pretty, pretty, pretty nicely, but they started mixing it up and keeping us guessing, and, um, and that, that's a credit to what they did offensively, but we, we didn't help ourselves with the with lack of execution and, and the missed assignments.
2: Your initial, oh. your initial impressions of the offensive line, how they performed being down Wayland? I oh,
3: don't know. I have to watch it on film, but, but uh, I mean, I, I, I'd, I always look at it from knockback. Can we get knocked back? Can we move the line of scrimmage? And that's, Is that my voice? All right. Well, just getting knocked back and moving the line of scrimmage. and, and um, But, you know, they're a crowd in the box, and they they're, they have a really physical D-line. I, I, I've i been saying that for a while now. They're a really good defense. Um, and, and if we can't go the one way, then let's, let's find different ways to, to get first downs and get points on the board.
0: Becoming the first newcomer to win a conference game, is that a big deal to you guys? Is
3: that a thing to you guys? I just wish it was a week earlier, you know, but the um but I said this last week, I said it again, the the, the competition the the physical part of the play that's what we want to make sure that we we, we can hang right and, and um, we went and looked at our depth I mean i I don't know looking at the linebackers you know with Ben not there how, how awesome was it for Harrison and AJ and Max to be in double digits and tackles you know but um, they, they uh they're active but Again, uh, I'm looking at it. They, they, Cincinnati had a bunch of yards, and they put more points up that we wanted than we wanted, you know. So, uh, and we got to find ways to get off the field. I, I've, I had to watch the film, but I'm going to tell you, I, very fixable things. And um, but it was nice to get those guys, Harrison Tiger, for for example, the reps um, on on the field. And, and we had some young safeties, Raider Mooney played quite a bit too. And uh, we're going to need we're going to need those young guys to step up.
1: Coach Kalani Sitake, very happy uh, on that win, but also lots to get buttoned up after the bye week, and certainly a lot of injuries to be able to uh, also get uh, nice before they can actually get back into conference play again in a couple of weeks, heading down to TCU to Fort Worth. Speaking of TCU, I mean, we had an all-around knock-down, drag-out fight about what the game of the week should be in the Big 12. And considering some of the results, uh, we had to figure this one out. And TCU and West Virginia may have just put itself in the top spot uh, after a huge game last night for the Mountaineers. So we'll get to our Big 12 game of the week. Next, stay right here with us 975 The KSL Sports Zone and KSL News Radio. It is first and 12.
0: Sunday's just the start of the Big 12 at Power 5 breakdown. Listen to Unrivaled, Monday on your drive home. Afternoons 3 to 6 on 975, The KSL Sports Zone.
2: That's right, you can hear Alex Carey, host of Unrivaled weekdays on KSL Sports Zone. You can hear me Mitch Harper on Cougar Sports Saturday and Cougar Nation tomorrow night. Taking your phone calls as BYU take down Cincinnati. But, man, Alex, it was quite a weekend in the Big 12. Yeah. As we look at our Big 12 play, game of the week, we had some debate as to which game should be the, the highlighted game this weekend. Well,
1: we had a couple in there because I think that on paper before the week started, last week we had a pencil in it was going to be Texas and Kansas. Mm-hmm. Oh, those are two ranked teams. That could be an upset special. Kansas won last time they were down there at uh, – at, uh, at DRK or DKR Stadium, whatever it is down there. They want to call it now Royal Stadium. So, uh, but of course, that would end up being a big blowout. Texas ends up running away with that one. And then we get dropped in our lap this West Virginia TCU uh, battle that no one expected would have been a battle. How about Neil Brown and the freaking Mountaineers of West Virginia getting their fourth win of the year? Is it more surprising that West Virginia's 4 1 or that BYU is? I, I, I would have to say West Virginia. We remember Big Twelve Media Day. Neil Brown would come around, and be like, "Hey, you guys want to talk to me?" Everyone's like, mm, <laughs> "Nah, we don't really want to talk to the guy who might be fired by the end of this year." But you're right. And then on top, and then the UCF and the and the Baylor game made a case for itself. So there were a lot of great games across the board. I want to ask about uh, Cougar Nation though first before we get into the the game of the week. Are people behaving themselves when they call in? Are Are people uh, getting salty? Are people already believe like? Feeling themselves a little bit as as uh, Big Twelve members when they call in a, in a Cougar Nation, or are they are they kind of trying to, you know, uh, I don't know, hand, uh, they don't they don't want to have the expectations too high for BYU. How are the fans who are calling in on Cougar Nation, dude?
2: Last week was pretty salty. People were mad about the <laughs> the lack of a ground game. I think this week's going to be a little happier because, yeah, like West Virginia, BYU should be very happy to be at four and one at this moment. But yeah, Cougar Nation callers have been great so far, and. But they were a little bit, a uh, little bit on edge. Last yeah, we week.
1: had some, we had some post game callers on on Friday night that were like, I mean, I like to win. I mean, I'll take it. And you're like, okay, where's this going? <laughs> and then it would, and then it went to take your pick. The ground game, uh, the slow start. Keaton Slovis isn't that accurate. You know, Keaton Slovis said that he wasn't even trying to throw it to Chase Roberts on that. They got lucky. Or uh, Jacob Robinson saying, yeah, I actually, I didn't have the right coverage on that pick six. Those are a couple of things that you want to maybe keep to yourself. Uh, just make the fans at least believe for a minute, Mitch, that, like, everything was okay. But those are the type of things that, you know, every game is made up of a little bit of, okay, uh, we were not expecting that. The ball bounced that direction for you. And, you know, Chase Roberts, it's not like he's some slouch who, you know, somehow got a ball in his hand and outran everybody 60 yards of the end zone. So uh, I get it. I get why fans are a little bit grumpy. But uh, either way, BYU gets a win. Uh, okay. TCU-West Virginia, let's call that one our game of the week. Although the 26-point fourth quarter from the Baylor Bears to get the win, I mean, they were looking like absolute hot garbage. They were going to be living in that 14 spot for a while, I feel like, in the Big 12 rankings. They get the win. But West Virginia beating TCU down in Fort Worth, that's got to give BYU fans a little bit of optimism going down there to Ammon Carter Stadium in a couple weeks.
2: It definitely should. And, you know, West Virginia gets quarterback Garrett Green back. He was dealing with the ankle injury he, you know, it's it's proof of who they are. They, they run the football, and they ran for 201 yards against TCU. And it was a pretty packed house, too. You know, I was impressed because typically with TCU home games, you think uh, it's going to be half empty. There's not going to be many fans. It was a pretty electric crowd by TCU standards, and West Virginia rolls in there and gets a big win. And now you got to start talking about Neil Brown, the head coach for West Virginia, being off the hot seat because – four and one, 2 and0 in conference, we always know that going to Morgantown, regardless of how good or bad West Virginia is, it's a tough place to win at. I mean, Oklahoma lost there last year with Garrett Green. So I just feel like West Virginia is leaning into who they are. That's a ground and pound football team. They're not going to be good throughout through the air. But they can run the ball, and they got a good offensive line too—one of the better ones in the Big Twelve. So when you have that, and you've got a—you know—revamped defense that has had some transfers come in and made a huge impact, I think this West Virginia team is feeling pretty confident. And hey, this Big Twelve every single week, Alex—we're getting some head scratching result in this yeah. league. It is just an upside down year in the Big Twelve this year. And hey, why can't West Virginia maybe crack into that top four? It's maybe it's possible.
1: Everyone had, maybe they didn't. Pencil in the win at West Virginia. They maybe even use that that permanent marker for a W on that one. <laughs> now the trip out to Morgantown looking a lot more difficult. If you're thinking about that win for BYU on the road, but again, other teams are looking like uh, easy putts when it comes to. I guess the re, I guess the reality is, Mitch, there is no easy putt when it comes yep. to this conference, because there are going to be week after week, you have athletes, you have guys, you don't want the whole conference eating itself, but you do want some people who are going to be easy outs at some point, but uh, in this case, uh, I don't know, but who is Sonny Dykes and his team? Because now they have two losses on the season, uh, and now, when you look at that Colorado loss, you go, boy, that didn't look good. West Virginia, boy, that really doesn't look good. Is Sonny Dykes' uh, team, obviously, they're not the, the semifinal uh, team from last year, or the, the, the finalists last year against Georgia, but who is this team? Who does Sonny Dykes have uh, that's not able to pick up the
2: the pieces right now because this team's really struggling? I just think they really lack star power, too. I mean, you lose Quentin Johnson to the NFL, wide receiver. You know, they, they've got nice pieces at receiver. The, the skill talent's there. They've mm-hmm. got speed. But I, I think they lack any sort of stars. And Chandler Morris is good, but he's just not a, you know, a big-time commands-the-stage star. Like, he's just going to get his within the system – and and that's that. Like, I don't think he's anything more than what he's showing right now. And, and I think that's a big problem for TCU. And so when they don't have that star power, that's radiating throughout the league, like Max Duggan, Quentin Johnson, uh, they can just be kind of a, you know, an afterthought where they're just, you know, a, a tough out like anyone in this league, but they're more along the lines of six and six, seven and five, rather than, you know, 11 and one. And I think that's one of the discouraging things about TCU. It's another example potentially and you, there's still a lot of football left to be played but it's another case of go from the mountaintop of the league and then you just kind of fold back in the next year back to the middle of the pack we saw it with Baylor last year it's happening again with TCU who can maintain consistency year after year in this league it, no i mean no one's been able to do it since you know the heydays of of Lincoln Riley and and Bob Stoops at Oklahoma it's it's a tough deal but uh, at some point, someone's got to emerge. You need that, I think, in your league when you look long-term in the future of this conference. I'm sure Brett Yormark wants that to happen, and TC doesn't look like they're ready to be that team uh, right now. Uh, Brett Yormark, by the way, uh,
1: the man himself was at the game last night. He got to see BYU in person, got to see Provo in person. Uh, uh, did he say he liked us? I mean, my heavens, uh, Mitch, did he, did he say he liked the Tucanos? I mean, what what's going on? I just want to know what, the, what, what Brett Yormark was saying about his trip to
2: Provo, man. He wasn't amongst us uh, peons in the media. <laughs> he had a secure it was like a, a president coming to, to it was Provo. Amazing. He had security, he had all this like legions of Big 12 staff yeah. around him. Uh, you know, your mark's uh, you know, quite the presence. Uh, you know, when he rolls into a town, but you know, second time he showed up in Provo since he became the commissioner and both times, kind of historic wins for BYU. Last yeah. year was the Baylor win. And then this weekend, it was the uh, win over Cincinnati. So, Your mark, I, I guarantee he probably never envisioned in his wildest dreams no way. spending Friday nights in Provo. But, uh, you know, he made the most of it. BYU's uh, put on quite the stage for, for Your mark rolling into town.
1: Taking the break here. We'll come back. Around the corner, you're going to get a couple things. First, our uh, week of Big 12 Power Rankings. Mitch and I crunching the numbers, getting the pencils out, getting the reading glasses out, and figuring out how the rankings should be. So come back around the corner. All brought to you by the folks at Macy's. Happy shopping. Uh, thanks for joining us on, on First and 12 right here. Mitch Harper, Alex Curie We'll be back. More to go. Stay with us for the Power Rankings.